0: of Stargate Sundays on seven days to rock and stone guardians. Today's episode we're going to go over is called The Broca Divide. Mm, It sounds interesting. It's much, much better than last week's episode, uh, Emancipation. Uh, Also much (laughs) better than the second episode. Yeah, not by a little bit either. Yeah, not by a little bit, for sure. This is really where we get to see that awesome... Awesome team. SG-1 actually saved the day in a meaningful way, in my opinion. Um, so The Broker Divide, uh, directed by William Garrity. Uh, he directed multiple episodes of SG-1, especially for, throughout the first three seasons. He also directed some episodes of Smallville uh, oh. and a little show called MacGyver, if you know, if you don't know.
1: You obviously. lost me there.
0: Richard Dean Anderson played MacGyver in, in MacGyver. So William Garrity and, and Richard <coughs> Dean Anderson both have worked together before. Uh, he also did some cinematography on the Robo- uh, RoboCop TV series. Interesting. Uh-oh. Oh, amazing. I know. I, know. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah, I forgot it had a TV series, to tell you the truth. And I remembered, you know, that's probably the only RoboCop I ever really watched, except for the very first RoboCop.
1: Uh, honestly, just the movies. I've only seen the movies. Mm. I did play the game, though. The game was there was rad. a game? The game on uh, yeah, like the console, uh, I think Super Nintendo, I think. Like the SNES? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: nice. Uh, this one was written by Jonathan Glasner. For those who don't know, Jonathan Glasner is the co-creator, along with Brad Wright of Stargate SG-1. Uh, he also did some writing for 21 Jump Street. For those who don't know, uh, the show with... Johnny Depp pretty much made his career. Uh, Jonathan Glassner is also later on becomes one of the executive producers, along with Brad Wright and uh, a few other folks that I can't remember off the top of my head. <clears throat> but uh, let's go into a synopsis for this episode. synopsis is brought to you by StargateFandom.com. This is the Stargate Wiki. For uh, all your Stargate needs. For all your Stargate needs, other than gateworld.net, which is also a fantastic place to learn some fun stuff about the newest Stargate uh, trivia. Um, original air date for this episode was August 15th, 1997. That is a
1: long period of time
0: <laughs> since that one is
1: gone. Can you remember what you were doing? I don't 1997. That would be junior high, my friend.
0: Wow, we weren't even—we were getting to the end of summer vacation at that point when this one came out.
1: Yeah. yeah, I hate to interrupt, but there is a new RoboCop game coming out. Oh my god, no way! RoboCop: Rogue City.
0: Interesting. And is that going to be an exclusive somewhere, or is it going to be available everywhere? Uh, it
1: just uh, looks like teasers right now.
0: Okay, so they haven't even probably discussed what consoles are going to be part of. Anyway, yep. So, uh, we are looking at the synopsis. Uh, after visiting P3X797, SG1 discovers the touched, a
1: race of. I'm humans. gonna go ahead and say they couldn't rename it, and that's a joke that runs in the show. Which like, one? You can't rename the. They planet. also
0: they do mention that, yes, and uh, I have a fun, fun bit of facts about that one but let's finish this synopsis first (laughs) Uh, a race of humans infected by a disease that seems to devolve them into an animal-like creature to make matters worse sg1 inadvertently brings the disease back with them where it rapidly spreads throughout stargate command the only way to cure them is to get a blood sample from the untouched who believe the disease to be a curse uh, and now the SGC is in a battle to destroy the plague before its personnel are trapped in a primitive state forever. So, <laughs> that's our synopsis for this episode. And now uh, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. So we're looking at um, the beginning of the episode here where they're doing the briefing, essentially. Interesting. Were they doing the briefing at the beginning? Probably. In the beginning. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they're... Uh, Major General George S. Hammond, which is a mouthful to say, reveals that the refugees, the SGC teams, including SG-1, brought back from Chulock, SG-1 and SG-3 are heading to the planet P3X-797. Now, what's funny is that Daniel makes a remark about uh, that ridiculous naming scheme um, that it comes out with. And then Carter all of a sudden just decides to say, oh, yeah, that's um, that's part of a binary spit out from the from the computers. And then I sat there and I said to myself, binary, how in (laughs) how in any way is that (laughs) binary?
1: I'm like a computer
0: talks binary all the time. If anything, it's closer to hexadecimal. But even then you're 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 not right there either. It's just just call it a naming schema that you guys came up with. It's not has nothing to do with binary. Yeah,
1: just call it an automatic naming. It's like uh, something something, it's something. It's almost them. like that
0: Rick and Morty quote where um, Rick <laughs> Rick uh, talks down to Morty about him calling it a quantum carburetor. He's like, "What did you just do? Throw a spacey name in front of an actual uh, device in a car and then call it that?" And that's essentially what she does right there, which is kind of funny
1: and i'm like yeah. hey,
0: like don't talk down to your audience we get it <laughs> like, like just... even,
1: even if even if you didn't get it though like binary is not unknown so like people would know it's like it's okay all, that's it's all not zeros and ones it has nothing to do with binary at I that mean, point just make a name up i
0: assume at this point you could say that it's based on binary and then it spits out these numbers but it's like it's just a naming schema it's all yeah. you can call it. it's a naming schema yeah and exactly. you came you came up with one that's sort of like a license plate for the for the planet. It's the same thing the DMV does. So this is the DMV of planets, essentially, is what's spitting it out. <laughs> <The>
1: planet <laughs> license plate.
0: Yes, yeah, so this is the planets. We're going to refer to these as the license plate numbers for the Planet But not Chulak, though. Not Chulak. Unless they mention the name of the planet, we will refer to it as the license plate number. Yeah. Uh... This, event, this planet eventually does go on to become, uh, they just call it the Land of Light from there on out.
1: out. I did think it is interesting that they named uh, the episode that broke a divide, which doesn't have to do with the planet being tidally locked. Uh, so it, only half the planet ever faces the sun. It's not rotating like Earth does. It's just landlocked to the sun on that side. Yes, it's
0: locked in a, in a
1: constant rotation
0: where it um, essentially faces it on either side like an equator almost. Mm-hmm. There's a divide among the whole planet, which is interesting. You would think that the um, the people who live on the side with no virtually no sun whatsoever, except for the light that they can see on the horizon, would have a vitamin D deficiency of some sort or have developed some other way or other means of having... Vitamin D necessity. Yeah, you know.
1: I really thought that it was going to be going into like the time machine Morlocks uh, type thing where they're like super super pale. That's a very and the people point, on the yeah. other side were uh, they're awfully pale for being on the side of the planet that never has darkness.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, what's also interesting is if you notice, they say it's locked in place. So how in the hell? Are there any living plants on the dark side
1: other than fungus? Let's see. I think you have to go into some science stuff. I think if it's, if I'm, if I could be totally wrong, but uh, it, they're so close to that edge where it's uh, the dark side. I think that side would be less affected by it. That's true.
0: You also, but you have to. It makes no sense that there are plants of, of similar nature on both sides of the divide. Yes, it makes no sense at all. You would think that there were some plants that could survive, funguses in particular, uh, other things like moss, small plants, not large plants with giant friggin' leaves.
1: Um, yeah, they would be probably virtually leafless since they don't need them yeah they would have developed some sort of weird um,
0: texture probably i imagine but that, and then you also have to think about it so this planet probably hasn't been like this its entire existence because when you think about it why in the hell would the ancients leave the stargate on the dark side of the planet I don't know if it's been mentioned yet in the, in, the sh- in the show. Obviously not, because they don't even know about the Ancients just yet. The Stargate Network is not developed by the Gould. It's been developed by a, a long extinct race of beings called the Ancients, or what will become the Ancients. And they'll have several other names in several different series. The Stargate Network in and of itself is, is completely created by them, and the Ghouls just leech off of it like all of their other technology but what what's really interesting is it it means that at some point that planet probably existed differently it probably rotated very similar to earth at some point in its
1: history yeah it um it it depends on a couple factors like its size how far it is from the sun if it has uh you know moons that are potentially causing tidal locking yeah uh, you know changes like that
0: but yeah at some point in its history i imagine that it didn't exist the way it exists now and it just happens to be that way for the sake of story
1: uh, I, I think it's possible for sure <laughs> so
0: anyway carter with her fancy words about binary and all that and it's just it's just crazy so this this is actually the first episode where we get to see a second team other than the um, SG-2 that we got to see with Charles Kowalski in charge for the very first episode. Right, This right. is a different team that is not Air Forcemen, or Airmen, i sorry, Airmen, people from the Air Force. It's uh, a group of Marines, SG-3. Uh, it's also the first time we get to see Colonel Makepeace. Um, he's the leader of SG-3, and we get to see him a whole bunch later on.
1: And I, I, I want to say he looked very familiar to me. Colonel Makepeace. Yes.
0: He may be. You want to look him up real quick? I'm not really. I
1: do want to look him up. Colonel Makepeace. Steve Makaj. He's uh, in the X Files. Is he? Yes.
0: Like a prominent character in the X Files, or is he just like a one-off episode, one, one or two-off episode?
1: Uh, well, his page is very brief, so I'm going to say it's probably a one-off.
0: Okay, so that makes sense. Well, you do get to see him a bunch more in Stargate SG-1. Well, anyway, so back to what's going on. So this time they're going to uh, take a second uh, second team, and they're going to this planet because they believe it to be possibly the home of where they brought Skara and... Share. Uh, so they're going... Yeah, another
1: chance at rescuing their friends, finding out where the Guald went. Yes. Yeah, this particular
0: one had sem- several symbols that were similar to the ones that they end up using for this planet. Although, you would think that the... Uh, that the... Because the, the coordinates themselves are in relation on a three-dimensional plane to the planet that you are leaving from so assuming that apophis was leaving from chulak the coordinates wouldn't be the exact same if you were leaving from earth stargate they would be slightly different because you're using different constellations to show where you're going right so i I assume and they don't mention it that they are using different symbols but they're using the same coordinates that they believe them to be in which is like trying to shoot an arrow into a small grape um across a very long distance let's say a football field
1: so at that point it's basically
0: luck if you hit it yeah it's it's pretty much luck at that point. I mean, you have to have a certain degree of where it's going to be, but you're gonna you're gonna miss it probably. So anyway, because they only have four symbols, which means they have the x and y plane, but they do not have the z coordinate. Uh, and they they uh, no. they know what the they know what the seventh symbol is because they know what Chulak's home address symbol is. So they're missing the they're missing the z coordinate. But they've got the X and Y. So there's just a gigantic amount that they could miss this tiny little grape, um, which is interesting. Um, so so, cut to them saying to SG3, hey, let us go in first. And Jack then says to Daniel, we don't want them shooting Skara or share immediately as they walk through the gate
1: which is not unreasonable if you knew they were there yes <laughs> then they oh then they go through the gate
0: uh interestingly the left colonel makepeace puts his gun into the gate with his um and he does this so that the the gate doesn't close cuz it's not designed to close unless someone gives the shut off order manually so that they can continue on through you know yeah um talk about some spooky ass woods like i got the picture of like someone going in to romania or transylvania or something to a spooky vampire castle and these are the woods that you go through
1: i mean if you've ever had like a a camping trip and you've got your fire but, like, the second you're, like, ten feet into the woods, it's pitch black. Just imagine the entire woods that you're walking through being that dark. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Pitch, pitch black.
0: And you can see that the melp fell over on some stairs. Uh, so, obviously, that's why the lights were broken on it. Mm-hmm. And they probably couldn't upright it. So they couldn't quite see anything. They probably broke the camera and the lights and all that. You know, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so they're walking through the woods. Well, they, they immediately get attacked by a group of, of savages. And thankfully they had a secondary team come in. Now interestingly enough, they never really bring a secondary team with them unless they absolutely have to. So they never really bring <laughs> a secondary team. And it just so happens to be super lucky that they decide to bring a second team. Because they actually needed it. Because... Teal'c was overpowered, Jack was overpowered, and smacked over the head. Daniel got his ass kicked uh, for the first time in this episode.
1: Yeah, for the first, but definitely not the last.
0: I didn't quite see Carter. I, I mean, I assume she obviously got her butt whooped, but I didn't quite see her in the shot so much as I saw the other ones getting their butt handed to them. And then all of a sudden the Marines show up and they shoot up into the air and scares all these crazies off, and then they go exploring into these woods. Uh, so they make their way through the woods, and they happen to come upon a group of these savages who happen to have a non-savage woman with them, and they are about to molest her. And Samantha Carter's like, Nope, we can't have that. And I'm like, right, What are you going to do? Go in there, guns a because if you interrupt them right now, they're probably going to attack you.
1: And Jack's it's, like don't no. well, this continues the like sexist kind of like run of the show I noticed. So you got like I let l let's 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 call it what it is. This was a different uh
0: this was a different generation of television. And yes, I'm definitely. not condoning it. This is just how people thought back then.
1: Well, you you see their way of addressing it later in the episode. It's just like it did. It just, they definitely didn't think about it the way we think about it now. So they did. Um, yeah, they
0: didn't have the the they didn't have the now the knowledge or the capability to understand. Well, they had the capability to understand. Well, they, they didn't just have didn't the care.
1: sensitivity. To understand, you know, other people's viewpoints. They,
0: yes, they didn't have the sensitivity. Is probably the best way to put it. They didn't understand that this isn't how it should be. And I don't care what you have to say about it politically, um, because this is my show, and I'm going to run it how I want. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: no, I honestly no
1: dissenting viewpoints here. No, no,
0: no. I, I I know you probably don't. Care too much about it, but this I think is, it's
1: just interesting. It's interesting to see, like looking back on it now, how you can't uh, you can't
0: not look back on it now and say, "Well, you probably couldn't write that nowadays." But when well, you I mean, think not about even
1: it, that you couldn't, that you wouldn't really want to. Well, when you think it, when you think
0: about it, let's take for example *The Handmaid's Tale*. It it shows you that on purpose. It shows you all of that shitty misogyny that's that's underlying um what currently goes on in society uh it goes into all menace of things that people don't want to admit that are part of our nature when you think about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is how we used to like this is how we yeah this is how we used to and be. this is basically how this show is doing it too is there Showing the really extreme version of, you know, this is what uh, this is what we used to were be like. as a
0: society, and yeah. now now we've sort of grown up, and it's nice to know that we've grown up a little bit, but we're not there. Yeah,
1: yet. and definitely a, a good like reflection. I it. It's like, oh yeah, this is like this, but you know, it's definitely gotten better.
0: And I can't. So... I don't want. I don't want to cancel stuff like that, because if you cancel stuff like that future generations never know why we changed. And that's, that's the problem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, we have to understand what the mistake is. Not to get
1: too political, but like, exactly. Like if you don't know the past, if you don't know the truth of the past, then how are you really going to change? Because we have to understand our mistakes
0: before we know what's wrong with them.
1: Yes. Um,
0: but let's let's break away back to the science fiction, because this is science fiction, people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> science. So
0: they go exploring through. They find these people. They find um, that this woman is just about to be raped, and it's like, oh, shit, come on, do something. Like, even fire the gun in the air. That's probably a good idea. Um, and Jack... Jack Jack probably does the strategic thing here he doesn't know how many of them there are they could be quickly overrun and this is one of those things where you have to say are we just observers or are we supposed to get involved so and then they, all of a sudden these people in white cloaks show up and uh, turns out twist ending there people in white hoods are the good guys yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, that big big little <laughs> big twist there. Big twist, the people in white
0: hoods are the are the people we're supposed to be cheering on. Right. <laughs> they show up and they're what are they throwing at them? It's like they're throwing um
1: I think they're just using um like, like little slingshots. Throwers. Yes. Yeah,
0: yes. stone throwing slingshots is what they're using and they're just tossing stones, which is not in and of itself the greatest method of Trying to get those people away because what's probably going to happen is those, especially those people, the people that they brought with them, super skinny. And I'm going to get into this because when you when you later on look all the guards in the uh, entire structure that they go to, they look like Arnold Schwarzenegger on steroids before <laughs> he got old and fat. We're talking, yes. we're talking Arnold Schwarzenegger from. Um, the Barbarian. Conan the Barbarian. They could stand toe-to-toe with Conan. I'm but sure. we're talking much bigger than that. Like, these guys were jonesing on steroids for sure. And it was... It made no sense why they would bring... Why why these four people, who are the tiniest people ever, would go out to a bunch of savages and throw tiny little pebbles at them. Is this some sort of zoo? That they just happened upon? That's what I have to say about that.
1: Uh, Are you saying that they have a zoo of savage people?
0: I assume that this is some sort of tourist attraction and they go out there and they sling rocks at people.
1: Because they had no
0: reason to be out there whatsoever. Based on everything we know, they consider these people to be lepers, essentially. Why the hell were they out there in the first place?
1: Well, it does seem like they were trying to rescue um, the the main guy's daughter. Oh, uh, but yeah. I mean rescue. But I don't know. Still, because like they put her in. That's it, another one of those inconsistencies, team. like
0: what we were talking about on the, epi- on, the on the last episode with Samantha yeah. Carter's character. That's an inconsistency in that character's arc because it seems like they want to avoid the untouched at all costs. And it just doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, so, like, I send people out who could get infected uh, to rescue someone who's already been gone for God knows how long.
0: I imagine she has to have been gone for a good few hours by the time they come upon her.
1: Right. And they find her with them. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, literally being scratched and scraped and clothes being ripped off. She's probably been touched. Yeah. That's a double entendre right there. She's definitely been, been touched.
1: Yes, with the Ill, dirty, dirty illness.
0: So they meet these people in, in white. uh They manage to rescue the girl, hopefully before she actually has been touched, but probably not. Uh, this is when they were super afraid of Gould, being, uh, finding a host with a Gould in it the first few episodes is pretty much the only time they ever really cared. Later on, it's like, oh, anybody could be a gold. Who gives a crap? They don't <laughs> even bother to check them anymore. But, like, these, uh, but these first we'll few episodes, yeah, these first few episodes, it's like, yeah, this person could be a gold. We should probably check them and then shoot him. Kind of thing. <laughs> Just very much, very similar to when they were like, uh, about to self-destruct the entire base based on a, uh, incoming wormhole that they weren't expecting (laughs) so just funny and campy and it's the best part of 90s in my opinion 90s television it's like let's uh let's do this for a little while and then say screw it we're gonna go
1: yeah yeah we're, we're gonna use this plot device for a while and then it it gets boring so uh let's move on to something new
0: exactly uh a big thing in the first season that happens a lot is when they go to these uh, planets, they end up getting treated like gods, or they assume that they're gods because the gods are the only ones who use the Stargate system. Presumably because no one can, no one knows how to figure it out on these primitive planets, which makes sense. Well,
1: like this one, I don't think this one even had a control panel.
0: It had a DHD.
1: Oh, Okay, I just missed it then. You
0: couldn't, you couldn't quite see it. It was really dark, but if you notice, they walk right past it, just after they get up from being beaten by the savages.
1: Uh, okay. I'll have to take a so, second look.
0: Yeah, yeah, but they they do manage to pass by the the DHD, but I presumably they have the same problem that Earth had with stellar drift, because no one's no one's recalculating any of this, or the fact that they don't know any Stargate addresses. Because the DHD is supposed to compensate for Stellar Drift. But if nobody knows what any of the symbols mean, then it's sort of a, yeah. moot, a moot point Guess at that game. Point. Yeah, they, they could type in a bunch of symbols, a thousand symbols. If they keep typing in the home address symbol anywhere except for the seventh Chevron, then it's just done. They have no idea. They're done right there. And without knowing... Um, at all about the fact that the 36 symbols on there and one of them represents your home address, probably never having presumed going to a different world. Just just a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of reasons they would have never figured it out, and that's why they think only the gods can, can do it. What's really interesting, what proposes a very good question, in my opinion, especially for shows like Sliders and, and Stargate, why, why, in God's name, did this planet not eventually evolve beyond Minoan well, it's culture? It was the
1: same problem as Trulac. Uh, so they never. Yeah, you like, see a
0: lot of progress. them never evolve, never evolve beyond the culture that they already have. Like the uh, episode with the Mongolians—they still barbarians. They not really evolved at all.
1: Yeah, it's not like they've evolved to use new technology. Like, they just haven't evolved at all. It's like they've been stuck
0: in one specific subset of culture. And, and hell, it could have a, a whole lot to do with the fact that they're stuck in one culture. And they just can't evolve because there are no new ideas. Everyone thinks the same. They never develop new cultures and new technologies. Because everything's just perfectly fine the way it is but you would think I mean, after yeah, a certain yeah. amount of time certain i mean we do eventually see planets that have evolved to a certain point close to where we are in uh in the episodes to, to follow
1: yeah and i mean even... progress usually forms around like similar issues like you know refrigerators came around to prevent like food rot so fast uh you know medications to prevent illnesses uh, things that usually make life easier, uh, primarily being like techno- technological advances, and it's not like you know the Minoan c- civilization, which is what the civilization in the Broken Divide is based on, uh, mm. had all that stuff answered. it still dealt with like a lot of problems so yeah. it's I think you would uh,
0: eventually think that someone would have come up with new medicines and, and ways of dealing yeah. with this stuff but it's probably a lot to do with the fact that their culture was held back because of the go old I'm sure there's reasons that they never ever really go into except for one off comments you know the usual yeah. the so, the, 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 the usual plot devices as as we like to say <laughs> Um, but just did that, just just an interesting, interesting thought experiment to sit around and think about considering that you only have these, like with any other television show, you only have certain finite amount of information about the lore. And then fans usually are the ones who end up taking off with it, coming up with new lore, coming up with explanations for stuff. So we're just coming up with explanations for stuff, you know the good yeah. stuff so uh they've met these people and then they've they've rescued this girl and then they take this girl back and where do they put her in the middle of the largest possible room with everyone around her I, I get this girl a blanket get her some food get her some water Jesus Christ she almost got raped it's probably a traumatizing event.
1: No, they have to make sure she is not
0: touched. Yeah, they leave her in the middle of an open room just shivering and looking like she's about to keel over from shock. <laughs> I just don't don't get that motivation there.
1: No, it's very silly.
0: It was very silly. Um and then they did pretty much that's that's it for them. That's all Jack cares about. He's like Uh, yeah, we're just gonna go. We're done. Go old aren't here. Bye. Cutting ties.
1: Yep. He's like, uh, well, our mission is to find X, and we didn't find it. Our mission was to
0: find Skara, or Sharae, or the Gould, or new technology. Not gonna find any of it. We're out of here. Bye. (laughs) Bye. So they cut ties, and they just leave. Uh, so they go back through the Stargate, and then they leave the, the Touched to do... With the, or the untouched to do what they want with the touched. Um, and then this is one of those things that, that, that I love to see when Daniel gets all heated about an, into an argument, which happens quite often, by the way. Uh, he starts arguing with the uh, general about we should be studying other cultures. We shouldn't just be there to steal new technologies and find new medicines. We need to learn about these people. Damn it! It takes a huge stand, and then the general's like, "Okay, okay, Doctor Jackson," and then he's like, "No, you're gonna listen to me, damn it!" And then he goes through this whole giant explanation, and then the general's like, "Yeah, you already won the argument. I was gonna tell you you're good. We're good to go on on learning more about their culture. <laughs> you." <laughs> and, and then he's like, "Oh, oh, okay. Oh, oh I got, I got what I wanted." I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> it's a very Daniel about, thing to do, and he even mentions the Broca divide. This is where they do a title drop sequence. It's like they said the titular line. They said the titular line. They they even did uh, tell everyone what the Broca divide is. It has something to do with the 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 mix of our evolution evolutionary chain, where two cultures at some time clashed and then eventually one culture took over. I believe is is what it is.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it specifically references uh, like human development versus like Neanderthal.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, they get back and they're doing their little debriefing and this one marine is just, uh, first of all, earlier in the episode he gave death glares to Teal'c. And you knew something was going on. Like obviously he doesn't trust Tilik, and why would you? He is, after all, a f- former first prime to one of the enemy. But he's sitting there and he's he's like sweating profusely, and he's just giving him the best stare. Uh, you know which one I'm talking about, right? The hardest side eye. The hardest possible side eye you can give someone without actually I eye, eye raping them. <laughs> um it's like, oh my god. And then all of a sudden he jumps up and he goes after to attack Tilk after having some choice words with him. Uh and then he goes for the punch and Tilk automatically grabs it, and it's like, oh yeah, Tilk's a little stronger than we thought.
1: Yeah, and they, nobody messes with Big Papa T. No,
0: nobody messes with Big Papa T, but what what's the best part about that? Is Teal'c's reaction is so much better he's super calm he's, he's like I don't actually want to hurt this guy so I think his, I actually think his specific words are uh, general I don't actually want to hurt this man <laughs> after he's got him in like a vice grip with his arm like twisted backwards and he's got him face down on the
1: table and he's
0: got his arm up and he's about to like snap it he's like I don't actually want to hurt this guy Somebody
1: come get him. (laughs) Come get your man.
0: Uh, So that's just the first of many reactions that happen with the people starting to succumb to the touched virus. Uh, The next one is Captain Carter's a little itchy in that, in that debriefing. And then we see Richard Dean Anderson without a shirt on number one, best part about the episode. (laughs)
1: I knew you were gonna call that out,
0: Richard Dean Anderson without a shirt on, closes his locker, and there's Carter, in nothing but a tank top. With her, she looks like um, you know what? She, she looks like something out of uh, Starship Troopers.
1: Yes, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yes. that
0: same outfit that um,
1: yes, Ibanez,
0: Ibanez, yeah, Ibanez was wearing with her dog tags and everything. So, so she's sitting there super sweaty. Um and then she she jumps on, on uh O'Neal and starts making out with him super hard. And O'Neill's like, what the hell's going on? And then Carter goes, You want me right? And his first reaction is why? And then <laughs> and then immediately goes, I mean no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Why? Yeah, why? I, I mean no <laughs> Oh God! Uh, <laughs> Just thinking about it gets me, gets me all giddy. That's one of my favorite parts. He goes, uh, "Why? That I mean, no.
1: Stands out to me as them trying to do the like counter to the earlier, uh, you know, misogynist sexist stuff yeah. by having it be Carter that instigates.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it it's it's it also plays into the fact that both of them have that are will they won't they kind of relationship and it lasts for freaking ever. I think it lasts throughout the entire series to tell you the truth. But probably <laughs> that moment just gets me every time because he goes, "Why?" I mean, no. <laughs> um why so, so they have to take her to the infirmary and then we meet uh Dr. Janet Fraser for the first time. Um Terrell Rothery is the uh, lady who plays Dr. Fraser, and she's the best. Now she only does seventy-five ep- episodes throughout the entire series, but her character is pretty important throughout the whole uh, throughout the whole series. She's been in a lot of stuff too, believe it or not. Um, she's been in Arrow. She plays a she plays a character called Jean Loring. I've never seen Arrow all the way through.
1: I've seen a lot of episodes, but I can't recall that episode if I've seen it. She was also in
0: Smallville. Uh, Looks like a non a non uh, named character. Uh, She was in Caprica as well. She's been she's been in quite a lot of things. Um, anything, anything really good here? Um. No, not really. Uh, other than that, that's that's really what she's been in. Uh, she was in the Care Bears Adventures in Carolot.
1: Hell yeah!
0: <laughs> Stargate. She was in Sandlot Two.
1: They made a second Sandlot.
0: Yeah, you've never seen Sandlot Two. No. Early two thousands, they tried to uh, they tried to steal that magic back, but it was a terrible idea.
1: I can imagine how could you out Sandlot the Sandlot. <laughs> the first one was perfect. Yeah, why why screw up
0: anything that's already perfect? Uh, she was in Viper. Ooh, Viper
1: was a good TV series. Did you ever see that? I did not see that. Oh, so good. I'm aware of it, though.
0: It was it was Fast and the Furious before Fast and the Furious was a thing.
1: Too fast, too furious.
0: Um, interestingly enough, she does also play a different character in uh, Stargate SG-1 that we, have, we haven't we have seen yet. Um, oh. She plays one of the Asgard, um, Heimdall, specifically. Okay. Interesting, right? That's
1: an interesting choice.
0: Yes, she will, she'll play Heimdall, or the voice of Heimdall in this case, because uh, the Asgard are tall, small little uh, tall, small little gray aliens. I can't talk today. Excuse me. <laughs> um, we also get to see some interesting uh, outside um, Cheyenne Mountain complex scenes. We see it a lot in the in the in the show. Now, what's interesting is they weren't allowed to film inside Cheyenne Mountain Number One because it's a secret uh, of what what's going on in there. Uh, currently, Correct. it's listed as a Space Force installation. Fun fact: I Cheyenne I, I do
1: not. It but is I'm currently sure that serves several purposes.
0: Yes, it's currently listed as a Space Force installation, um, at least according to... If
1: I'm correct. That is also the mountain they use for uh, some of the Terminator movies.
0: Maybe. It's,
1: at least the outside.
0: It's entirely possible. The shots that we see throughout the entire series of the outside of Cheyenne Mountain Complex were all filmed at the same time. They just keep reusing them over and over again. Uh,
1: that's classic nineties uh camera work there.
0: I mean, yeah. You see it a lot in, in different places like the entire uh opening to the office, all shot on one video camera. Uh and it wasn't even a good video camera, and I'm pretty sure it was John Krasinski who went around Scranton, Pennsylvania, and actually took those shots.
1: Wow. Um I mean if you don't have to pay for something, you know, seven hundred times why not pay for something once
0: exactly and there's also the opening for it's always sunny in philadelphia all that was shot by rob Malcolm. you know
1: what i do appreciate though on some anime after like half a season or a full season they'll change up the opening and closing uh intros and outros which uh, i think is really interesting because usually it has something to do with the story or something that's upcoming in the that season, uh, but or something that's already happened. Yeah, uh, but I think that's interesting.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's it's very interesting to hear how they get a lot of this information, how they get these pictures, these video shots. And this particular one is yeah, they use the entire they use the same ones throughout the entire series. They never get new ones. And I try and pay attention but they use them so perfectly that it's really difficult to notice that they're the exact same one because they they'll take one and then never use it for like 16 episodes and then they'll show it again. But it's, it's like, I wonder how, uh, how much they, they paid to, to do that. If they had to pay at all. Well, That's I, 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 have to look I up.
1: was thinking about the cost of this show a little bit today because they have some fairly elaborate, uh, sets you know and that's not cheap and they're doing like a lot of cgi and during this time cgi was not cheap i have to say obviously some places that they need to like cut corners
0: well i mean the entire cgi sequence with the the gate that's the same thing over and over again we all know that that's easy to tell i think that besides the gate room the hallways that we probably see is one hallway, and there's because what it looks like every time you see it, it looks like an intersection. I'll bet you it's one hallway, and the reason they made it so bland, with just pipes and and colored uh, lines,
1: is it's so like that they use could it use it from not, different. Right?
0: Yeah, they could use it from different angles. Yeah. So I'll bet you it's just one hallway, and we just see it at different angles all the time. So it's not really. It's probably not a very elaborate set to tell you the truth. Um, at least for that part, yeah. At least for the parts where they're on the base. With the other stuff, that's got to be pretty elaborate. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And even if they're doing like partial sets, partial CGI, that's still uh, pretty expensive alone for the is, time.
0: Yeah. CGI alone at that time was probably super expensive. And so that's why it was so, so underutilized, I would say. But it's yeah. still pretty good. I mean, it's better than some shows.
1: I mean, yeah, the CGI used in this show is not bad, for sure.
0: What we do get to see in this episode, our main man T, Tilk. Big Papa T. Big Papa T, or Chris Judge, has been way underutilized at this point. I think you would agree with me. I think you
1: mentioned oh yeah, the last episode. He was uh, super he was barely in the last episode.
0: Yeah. This is the first episode, I think, where we get to actually see him on his own. Uh, where he interacts with everyone because uh, Carter and O'Neill are both um, affected by the touched virus, and Daniel Jackson ends up getting kidnapped on their way back to get some blood samples so that they can find out if they can solve this virus crisis. And he's he's just great at expressing himself without actually having to talk. Wouldn't you say yes. he's got a super expressive face? And Christopher Judge is just like he gets so much better at it too as the as the episodes go along. You think he's good now. Wait till you get to season 7 or season 8. It's even better. So he he goes um he's been told t- cuz he's the only one that's immune along with Daniel Jackson. Um they're told that they have to go and retrieve some blood from the untouched so that they can discover if they have some sort of natural immunity so that they can build something to fix themselves another fun thing that we get to see is uh, General uh, Ger- General Hammond fucking hell, god General Hammond, we get to see him in a straitjacket, drooling with an eyebrow
1: <laughs> with a well, one with heck brow. of a unibrow Yeah, with
0: one hell of a brow up on his head it's quite funny so we get to see him and uh, Richard Dean Anderson with a giant brow and some weird looking teeth. All in and uh, why is he the only one they put in a straitjacket? That's what I'd like to know.
1: I know how bad was he? Yeah,
0: like he was—he was he killing people? I, was
1: I mean, they show. literally show one of the uh, first infected soldiers like blooding himself against a wall in his cell earlier. How bad was General Hammond? That they had
0: to put him in a straitjacket, exactly. Mm-hmm. The only person who was able to go was Teal'c. So Teal'c ends up going with Daniel Jackson. Jackson gets kidnapped. And so Teal'c's like, ah, oh, crap. i got to complete my mission so that I can save everybody and then possibly save Daniel Jackson. So he goes and he asks the untouched for some blood. And you remember those Arnold Schwarzenegger dudes I was talking about? Yes. This is where we see them. These two gigantic steroid-out monsters in the background as guards. Um, and then you walk up and you see uh, Councilman Truplo, Tuplo, um from the Land of Light. The small little guy that we saw earlier in the episode. He's super tiny, super skinny, no muscle on him to speak of, and it looks like he's got a small cut. I'm like, where were these roided out guys when you were in the woods with pebbles throwing at these primitive people?
1: It looked the spears that they're holding look like toothpicks. Yeah, like compared literally to these guys, piss. yeah,
0: like they are weapons of mass destruction.
1: Uh, if you haven't seen the movie Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger, I highly recommend it. But uh, I'm gonna spoil something. There's a scene where he throws a pipe. At, at enemy and it pierces not only the the guy's body but the steam pipe behind him yeah and, and there's steam coming out of the pipe that's those guys yeah for sure
0: write out jazz musicians not sure why I went with jazz, <laughs> jazz musicians, musicians but but they're
1: just roided out, dudes. I would love to see that because them playing like a, a, a yaz flute or like a clarinet. <laughs> it, would, it would literally look like them blowing into like a uh, child's toy. A, a kazoo.
0: Yeah, a child's toy. These dudes are just huge. So, anyway, so Tilk manages to upset the untouched people uh, the councilman and his, his presumably his wife. I don't think if it was ever mentioned, but he manages to piss those people off. They take off, and so he's like, "I failed." So what does he do? He immediately attacks one of these roided-out guys, takes him down in one smack, and then takes the other guy out immediately. And I'm oh like, yeah, he Jesus. dominates them. Jesus, Tilk. Till so then, he he uh, he gets the blood from one of them, and then and then takes off back to give it to uh, to give it to Janet Fraser. Doctor Fraser. Doctor Fraser. Doctor Fraser. Uh,
1: I, I have to point out before she sends them for the blood, she mentions something about histamines, but isn't like, hmm. She mentions that it's a histaminolytic, and
0: you would think yeah. that if a doctor knew that it was a histaminolytic, that an antihistamine would probably solve that problem. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to presume. <laughs> We're not
1: doctors. I'm not going to presume not to know.
0: But you would think that she she would have figured out the fact that she's she takes mega antihistamines and so does Daniel Jackson because we know he has allergies. You would think that it would have popped in her head at some point. Which it did eventually, but you would think it would have happened a little earlier. Meanwhile, uh, yeah, yeah. what's happening on back on Earth is uh, Jack is sort of fighting this they basically set a sedative, sedative uh, put a lot of sedative into him, and he's managed to regain some sort of frontal cognition, uh, or front lobe cognition, where he can think, and he's like Ex- experiment on me, and I'm like, oh, Richard Dean Anderson, what happened to you?
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yeah,
0: the, so she has. She's like, I can't really ask that of anybody we can't really experiment on people and he's like just do it on me do it on me
1: so i mean you're you're in a you're in a lockdown in a, a secret mountain base in a top secret clearance portion of the base and what else are you gonna test it on yeah who,
0: who, who the hell else are you gonna test it on just test it on him so she she um She's waiting until Tilk Til gets back with the untouched. She manages to make the um, make the connection between the fact that it's a histaminolytic and she needs to pump them full of h- antihistamines. And so she's like, I'm going to give you this real, real strong dose of antihistamines and we're going to see what happens. And antihistamines was the answer, of course. Of course. We did it. Everybody go home.
1: First so, guess is correct. Yes.
0: Yeah. So... So Jack is better. He's back to his old self again. Uh, he manages to make a reference to "I Love Lucy," that Teal'c immediately doesn't understand, and hilarity ensues from there. And so he gets let out of his his little cage that he's been in this whole time. And then they make up. They they apparently make a whole bunch of darts full of this uh, antihistamine, and it's like, ooh. How much of this stuff did they actually have already?
1: (laughs) Yeah, do they just have a a big old vat of antihistamine? Apparently,
0: apparently, this piss-colored water that they decided to shoot at people was just lying about in great mass quantities. They end up going back to the planet to go find Daniel Jackson. Uh, Jack makes another uh, reference, which is quite funny, actually. It's like Daniel, you dog. At this rate you're going to have a woman on every planet. <laughs> Which is is funny also misogynistic, but who cares? Yeah. That's it's it's quite funny actually. <laughs> because it's it's referencing the fact that he immediately found somebody on in the Stargate movie in Showery from there, that's pretty much the end of the episode. They managed to make allies in the uh, Land of Light, and we actually get to see them in later episodes, believe it or not.
1: Well, that is kind of surprising.
0: Uh, yeah, we'll actually see them in a later episode um, this season, I believe.
1: Well, I, I think it it it's kind of foreshadowed that they are accepting some of the people from these planets uh as refugees cuz they were talking about um people from Chulak at the beginning of the episode.
0: Mm-hmm. but these aren't these people don't want to leave their planet. They want they they just managed to make allies with them which I mean you can't really call them allies when it's sort of a one-sided uh, relationship.
1: Right. You would be their uh uh suzerain, so you'd be like their protectorate. Something like
0: that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the episode that we will get to see them in is the Enigma episode. Uh, that's episode 17 Ooh. in in this particular instance. So 12 episodes later, we'll get to see them again. Specifically Tuplo we'll get to see again. He's Tupelo. an interesting character. Um, so that's all I got for this particular episode. This is really where they get into it. This is exactly what they are as a team, and we're going to get to see this formulary more often than not, where they cause problems with themselves, or they cause a problem, and now they have to fix it themselves.
1: They make a bad choice and have to fix it.
0: Exactly, which is okay, and sometimes the choice isn't theirs to have made, but in this case, this episode happens to be the one that that happened. Um, so next week we're probably going to go over the next episode I don't know, probably the next episode
1: uh, maybe we'll, yeah, you know <laughs> uh, the
0: next episode's called The First Commandment and that one is another interesting one uh, that one has a special guest star not, not for us the special guest star just happens to be the uh, father from Boy Meets World trying to think of the episode so the father from boy meets world Corey's father in this case cory and eric's father
1: uh is in that episode and is that his character's name no cory and eric's father
0: no it should be though
1: it should okay be. okay
0: um and that's all we have for you this week uh our sponsor aluminum cans because what else would you make them with
1: aluminum cans what about tungsten cans? Oh my god! They'd be very heavy. Tungsten but cans. But they would—they resist denting, though. They would also retain heat very well. And they would. Imagine a nice hot soda. You a know? nice,
0: a nice, good old-fashioned hot Dr. Pepper. Yep. Nice little uh, hot tamale. Hot toddy hey. with Dr. Pepper. Yeah.
1: Add a little uh, cinnamon schnapps to it. You yeah, got Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> nice uh
0: so that's all all we have for you this week anything else that you want to mention there uh,
1: no uh just keep on listening to us if you have suggestions please uh twi- tweet us back or yep please post uh, up on our Facebook
0: yeah fellow follow us on Facebook at uh at seven days to rsG also on Twitter at seven days to rsG that's the number two rsG uh keep listening you can get us on spotify app uh google podcasts amazon music all the good ones
1: and then don't forget to listen to our comic book fridays podcast as well
0: yep now this uh this coming episode of uh comic book fridays comic book fridays where comic books come alive
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right <laughs> <clears throat> Alright, that has been uh Stargate Sundays. I'm Kevin. It's my man Ryan. Hey and hey. We wish you seven days to Rockin' Stone, Guardians.
1: Rockin' Stone.
0: Bye-bye. bye.
1: Bye.